Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, October 17th. And on today's show, I'm joined by Austin Vernon. We are bringing back AV now that the NBA season is also back. And we each came up with our own starting five, five topics we are looking for or forward to at the start of this NBA season. Of course, today's episode is brought to you guys by Fantasy Basketball International. Make sure to go check out their website, their rankings, and their Discord channel. I'm sure everyone listening to this episode who plays fantasy basketball is in the middle of draft season. I know I am, and I know I'm leaning on their experts, their resources, and their rankings. So be sure to check those out. Start the show. I'm the type to get shit done. You the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Got something loud in the blunt, yeah. AV, welcome in and welcome to the first ever show of you joining me on the New Advantage podcast and on the Fantasy Basketball International channel. What do you think of that intro video? That I was going to say, the new intro bangs. I- I'm glad you asked. I-, I, You know I didn't know that there was a new intro song, and I'm just sitting here. I'm, I'm not on the screen yet, you know, bopping along. I, I like the new intro. It's I'm good to be back. I'm type on. You uh. type to observe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm pumped about the intro. I'm pumped about basketball starting. Um, if I knew that uh, my most recent promotion meant I had all this homework to come with my uh, five topics, I I'm, I might have, have questioned it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Let's go. I forgot to give you a promotion for all the new listeners who are tuning in on the Fantasy Basketball International stream. Of course, I'm Mike, but joining me today is Austin. He is probably the most regular guest we have for NBA topics, so you will become used to him. Uh, he's one of my best friends always. He's actually, I'm going to see him next week at my brother's wedding. Looking forward Can't to that. Wait. Maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But um, we just have hours and hours long phone conversations generally. So we decided once I started getting into content to start recording them. So when I bring on AV, we're just talking basketball. We're just sitting back talking hoops for an hour. And today's was just a fun, like he called me a week ago and it's like, are we going to, we, we want to talk some NBA. And I was like, let's, let's, let's schedule a pod and actually yep. record it. So, A.V., normally we give you a promotion every time. We'll, we'll start that on the new stream next time because I'm not prepared for it this time. And I don't want to throw <laughs> a BS title at you. Uh, best incoming best man, incoming groomsman. Uh, wow. So, I think for today's episode, like, like I said, the, the homework I gave you, the assignment that you got was to come up with five topics that you are looking for or forward to at the start of this NBA season. Let's just jump right into it. Skip all the fluff. And I'll hit you with my first one. Yep. It just has to be Wemby. And I know it's been blanket talked about all summer long. I haven't. So I'm going to hop on and talk about it right now. This is the certified alien entering the NBA. And it's everyone who wants to hit me with the bull bull walk so Wemby could run. Like skip me with miss me with all of that. Bull bull was just cut at 23 and re-signed for a minimum in Phoenix. This is like the highest prospect we have ever seen since potentially LeBron or Wilt or AD or whatever. This is the probably the most valuable piece in the NBA immediately besides maybe Jokic and Luka. Like this is supposed to be so generational and something like we've never seen before. And then if you just watch the highlights, 
I mean the Spider-Man steal in preseason, the 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 freaking what about uh spin moves to the lefty layups, the step backs looking like a young KD, but just, and then the ability to just move through the lane and then put it in the basket and just dunk it automatically. It's truly something I've never seen before. Uh, And that is absolutely the number one thing I'm looking forward to this season is the emergence and the splash that Victor Wembanyama is going to be. Yeah, the the like the crazy reach, like Space Jam type thing that we've never seen before. It, it's another level, but it reminds you of when Giannis first started doing that. When you were like, oh, if this fool can dribble and get up and down the court and bang like that, how how is he even stoppable? And and now you just added, you know, six inches, and I don't even know how many wingspan inches to him. I I and, I think, and and a, yeah. and a milky jumper. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Giannis didn't have that, and he doesn't have that now. Still doesn't. It's I, I like Wembanyama's jumper. I have seen, you know, that his efficiency numbers are down. I don't know if it matters so much, given that just the ability to get to your jumper and not be blocked regardless is so valuable. Um, but t- tell me what you think about this. I think that he's going to be saved by highlights this year, but because his numbers, minutes, effect on wins will be so kind of below expectations, given how high expectations are, I think people are just going to have to rely on the highlights. So I go one of two ways with this. First of all, I love the fact that you just brought up the highlight component. The reason why John Morant has emerged into a super, like the superstar of this generation is because there's no one more fun to watch in seven second clips than John Morant. And Vic is going to fill that space immediately and then probably expand on it because it's going to be things we've never seen. And it's, he's going to be the vine Twitter quick reels uh, YouTube shorts, he is going to absolutely dominate those spaces. Uh, I actually am not, I, I'm was originally like Spurs aren't trying to win. Like yeah. backing up my take on this, the Spurs might be freaking good. I know his jumper's not efficient, wow. but the, he opens up so much space with the, like the geometry of basketball and him being able to play literally anywhere. The Spurs are scoring just so fast. Are they going to be kind of Kings-like where they just start racking up wins because offense travels in the regular season? I would, again, I would be surprised, but then impressed that that you've called this just given how hard the West is and how few pieces they have it. it so they're, they're pretty committed, I think, to not overworking Wembenyana. So that's going right. to mean... And not games- prioritizing wins. Exactly. So it, it's all about his future development, which I agree with. I'm happy he went to a real organization so they can take care of him and properly develop his talent. I just I think it means he misses so many games and he plays so few minutes compared to what people want and expect that even if the rest of the team was decent and they're not, you know, the rest of the roster is the, the worst roster in the West after him, unless I'm forgetting someone. And uh, they they don't they don't have anyone who, Actually, who can no, do yeah, it. They're, they're worse roster than Portland, maybe. Yeah, Houston, they're probably worse than yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, Houston I will think, be trying harder, more talent. Yeah. I think it's gonna land somewhere in the middle. And speaking to people who are listening to this podcast before a week before the NBA season started about things that they're looking forward to at the start of the NBA season. I'm gonna put them into the NBA nerds and and like non-casuals like myself, uh, where I think he's going to exceed the expectations of like real NBA fans who kind of have realistic views on 
knowing what the Spurs organizationally are doing, knowing that they're not going to want to overload him. He's going to exceed those expectations, probably underwhelmed from just like a public standpoint, which thinks mm-hmm. he just should enter the league as a superstar. It wouldn't surprise me if he's very much fe- featured at All-Star Weekend. Like, obviously, rookie sophomore game, but if he's like a replacement All-Star, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, you have no argument for me there. I know the NBA is prepared to market him and get the most out of him, and I'm sure All-Star Weekend is part of that. I'm sure they have things we haven't even heard of yet ready, ready, ready to go with him. But I, I don't. I don't think it's going to matter that much in terms of wins and stats. I do think, like we've been talking about, like it'll be like like you talked about with Ja, but even maybe even closer to like what we saw with Zion, where he, he was like pretty much a highlight reel exclusive. And we're like, I don't even know what to expect on the court. Have we seen him in, in a real NBA setting? So I, I think as we figure that out, just seeing him sort of, you know, swat block from outside the key on the other side and like dunk it, the dunk on – uh, um, what's his name? Thomas Bryant. When he looked over to the bench and was like, "What can I do about that?" was was nuts. He just reached over this gentleman who's used to being the biggest guy on the court and is now, you know, wingspan wise, probably minus seven, minus eight inches. It, it was crazy. Let me ask you quickly, last on this topic, and then we'll move on to the next one. From a fantasy basketball perspective, mm. is he going to be propped up with like? How do you judge? Like, I don't know. I'm so confused on how to judge Victor. Do I prop him up in the in the efficiency stuff because we're hearing the inefficiency of the jumper, but he's just going to attack the rim and be able to just put the ball in the basket that it'll hold his field goal percentage north of the, what, 50% that should be reasonable for a big, high-volume big? Is his minutes going to be, is his games played going to be enough to sustain from a totals aspect, even if, like, his stat counting numbers are there? How the hell, where the hell do you draft Wemby in fantasy? Yeah, the, the, there's almost no way that you can get a value on Wemby in most leagues because like we were talking about, he's going to miss too many games and not play enough minutes. I agree that his blocks will still be high. I think that his stats will sort of be unique, but I think at times his field goal percentage will be low if they really do let him go to that step back a bunch, which is sick, but he'll miss. Um, but I think more importantly, it's just, it's, you, you need more minutes and more consistent reliability. And he's going to go as high as like the third round. And I, I, I think if you want Wemby, go get yourself Chet in the fifth, because you'll get a lot of what we're talking about. That'll be fun. Maybe more minutes now, maybe not, maybe they're equally cautious, but I, I think better value for what you're looking for. Not saying that Chet's going to be the, uh, future equivalent of Wemby. Hit me with your first topic, thing you're looking for forward to this season. Yeah, I, I it's a combo. I guess what I'm looking to see is did the Bucks' playoff chances go down by setting this trade in motion to actually send Drew to Boston? But what what I want to do first is how how did the Blazers get so much value from Dame? Like he he's a small guard, he's aging, and we love Dame. He's on a crazy contract that's going to be paying him ridiculous things. I I thought that he'd already said he only wanted to go to Miami. Teams didn't even know. I I know that they checked first, but teams didn't even know if he would stay there, let alone the Bucs don't know if he wants to stay there long term. I know they they checked in. Look what they're going to get, the Blazers, from this once now they've traded Drew also. It's, It's a haul. How did they get a haul? 
my one, they did incredibly well. Joe Cronin did really well holding firm, still sending Dame to a place that he can win and pair with Giannis and, and check all the boxes of doing right by Dame, doing right by the organization, doing well for the fans, setting up the team and the current roster to bring in a veteran guard and then two young bigs with the current mm-hmm. roster construction and then add picks to it. They did extraordinarily well. The one thing where I'll just splash some wa- cold water on this is from my understanding, the Nurkic Aiton swap component of it was yeah. agreed to weeks before. So if we're only looking at the Dame component, then don't include Aiton in it because the Blazers would have gotten Aiton for Nurkic if they still hadn't trained Dame today. That trade would be done. I mean, I think that more speaks to Aiton's situation in Phoenix. And they it thought does. if we want to win, we have to get someone who's not a cancer, but who is the least wants to be here and the least bought in of everyone here. Um, I mean, that, look, I think that's a great trade, obviously, looking forward for Portland, too, even if I don't think Aiton's a max player with, with salary cap and what they have available, given they're getting rid of everyone. It makes sense. He's young. He wants to grow there. I think even without them, he they got so many picks and stuff for Dame. I, I, I didn't know what they were going to get for him. I, I obviously, you know, it was a unique situation, but I, you, you could not have told me that, that this is, was going to be the hall. I, and I didn't know the, the Blazers were this capable of an organization. I thought that sort of Dame and the Blazers were going to butcher this together. But alas. Um, let me ask you one last question. Yeah. And I, we don't know if this was a realistic possibility, but you know I follow trade rumors like they make me go from 6 to midnight. So... <laughs> Let's talk about the one thing that kept being floated out there. If it wasn't Miami, would they just trade him straight up for Carl Anthony Towns? If you were Joe Cronin, would you have rather gotten Cat or the haul that you did? Wow. I mean, it, it has to speak to his motivation. Does he want to sell some tickets and win some games now, or does he want to go all future? I I think that Cat by himself becomes better than what we've seen recently. If you, you know, if you just give Cat the ball on offense, even though his defensive deficiencies and some of his problems will still be there you, you're you're just going to get so much more out of him you're going to see the, the kind of the freak he was when he was telling people he was the best big big man shooter of all time um i don't know i i, I think i'm 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 future I, I think there's no chance to win right now i don't know if cat stays there long term he's sort of a a volatile person to build around from a culture standpoint too give me all the picks just just let me look towards the future I'm personally keeping my house and condos and apartments on Cat Island, so respect. I would have taken the cat side of the deal. I think we were we were mocking the other night on the phone together, and I was very pro cat in the oh, second yeah. round. So oh, I yeah. am uh I'm a buyer on the Carl Anthony Towns downturn that's taken. I think that's crazy. I think if the Timberwolves are actually crazy enough to trade, like that would be so stupid. If I was the Timberwolves. And what, what's his name? Tim Connolly's the new GM there who came over from mm-hmm. Denver recently and Calvin Booth stayed in Denver and took over. So if I was Tim Connolly, what I would do is I would sit cat and I would sit Ant down in a room and say, look, guys, we tried. We tried to bring in Gobert, which we thought would, you know, cover up some deficiencies, add in some defense and rebounding, not clog up the spacing. But we fucked up. And in turn. We're going to get rid of Gobert. We understand we're going to sell him for for pennies on the dollar. We understand we probably lost some picks in the process. We clearly lost some picks in the process, and it's going to be harder to rebuild. But trust us, we will do it. We will spend, and we will do what it takes to get you guys another third piece and rebuild around the two of you. That's what I would do before covering my tracks, selling cat, 
trying to regain picks and then hope Gobert and Ant are a better fit on their own. If that's what I'm the yeah, look, if, if I think that that would be impressive to convince them that 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 that's would happen long term and they would win, but I think it'd be even more impressive to sell uh, Gobert even for pennies on the dollar. I think the reason that people talk about potentially getting Cat out of there is you're like, okay, we need one of the two big men gone. I agree. I'm with you in the now and long term. Give me Cat. We both felt Gobert was overrated in a lot of ways. But you can't move Gobert, and Cat has some long-term value. People would want Cat. You could build around Cat. Like, like I, I might not take Cat. I might take the picks if I was the Blazers, but I might take Cat too. Like, it, that would be sick in that situation. So I, I think that it's just so much easier to move Cat to build around Anthony Edwards. And then, look, I Gobert will, will still help you. It's uh, It just sucks you gave up so much for him. It's uh... – We move on to topic number two from the Fitz. Yeah, what do you got? I think this is going to be a fun one. It kind of relates to my Wemby one. It's just a general. I think this is the year where we get the changing of the guards. Like we get a new top 10 incoming this season. We are going to going into next season. No longer consider Durant, LeBron, uh, Jimmy, uh, Dame, Kawhi, Steph. Those are guys are going to be taken over. The throne will be taken by the Lucas. By the Lucas, uh, look, the Bookers, uh-uh. the SGAs, the Ant-Mans, John Morant. This is the year the guard changes. And finally, when we come into next year, someone can convince me that taking Jason Tatum over LeBron for a one-year playoff stretch is a better idea. You have been so crazy to think, and I know every ranking puts Tatum fourth. That's absolutely asinine. Uh, I know I have a dog right here. Named LeBron. Ronnie? However, and I know I'm biased. However, it's just crazy to think that anyone would rather be have Tatum on their team than LeBron. That changes after this year. This is the changing of the guards year. Yeah, look, it, obviously we're not talking about like who you want to build around long term, blah blah blah. If we're no, just one talking, type. yeah, like if who's, we're just who's your, talking, who talent, are your guys for this playoff series? Um, um, I like, I like the take that it'll be a changing of the guard year. The only like you lost me when you're saying that both Durant and LeBron will both be out of the top ten. I am down for everyone to ship down. Everyone else you name the Dames, I'm on board. You, to tell me. I mean, LeBron too, but to tell me that Durant wouldn't be a top 10 player when I know that the Suns are going to make a playoff run and he's going to be the best player on that team and you're going to see him in the playoffs, people might come out of next season saying Durant is the best again. That That is the level he could be at the playoffs. But to not no, put him in won't. the top 10 uh, is hard. You will LeBron go into too. next year. Yeah. You will go into next year, AV, saying Devin Booker is the main superstar in the Phoenix Suns. Durant is the best number two in the league. Yeah, look, I, I think that would speak to how good I think Book is, both in the regular season and playoffs. And I do think he'll carry them more in the regular season. And I do think that what he did last year in the playoffs, both from a crazy efficiency volume combo standpoint, but also the fact that he defended hard and well in the playoffs, is would put him on that on par with that. But to me, if you're talking about Book on that level, Book is probably you know fifth best in the league, and Durant has to still be top ten. LeBron. Look, maybe LeBron falls off, but just mentally what he gives you, if he's still giving you, you know, 80% of what we know LeBron can do on the court and then also, you know, a wizard, uh, it, it would be hard for me. But you could be rank, right. Rank who you would want for one playoff run, like for four rounds of a playoff year, right? LeBron, yeah. K- 
KD, Booker, Tatum. Rank all four. Th- this year, who I want in the, in the if playoffs? It started, if it started tomorrow, the NBA playoffs, who would you want leading your team out of those four? Rank them. Uh, uh, again, As I go uh, to set a reminder to re-ask you this next year. It's, it's, I know, but it's, it. Okay, well, ask me it after the playoffs next year. So, I, if everyone is healthy and doing well, and they all were there in the playoffs, give me Durant number one in the playoffs. I know it's crazy. I think most people would go Tatum, Book or Durant, and then the other, and then LeBron right now. And give me Durant, LeBron or Tatum. You can make the argument and Book right below. And I love Book up there, but it's it's Durant for still. No one does what he does in the playoffs when he's at his max. I, he was the number one playoff player coming off that Nets run, uh, and not not anything has changed. The changing of the guard happens this year. Av, hit me with number three. Okay. Um, uh, you know what? I- I'm going out of order here because we just did the changing of the guard, and I have sort of a similar one here. Is this the year that the future teams, a.k.a. Uh, Houston, Detroit, OKC, are finally playing competitive basketball? Because for a while we've been like, whoa, they're getting all the best draft picks of the last you know, three years, maybe even longer if you're OKC. At a certain point, it's like they got to play, they got to win. So it, 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 for one of them, it has to be this year. So I'm thinking, is this the year that all of them take that step forward. Um, and I think if any of them, you know, obviously OKC people probably put like a, a step ahead. They'll probably be offended. I'm grouping them together, but that they were sort of in this group. Um, but, but Houston is one who even last year, people were like, Oh, I don't think they'll make a deep playoff run, but they're going to win games. They're going to try hard. And they were, you know, a, a disaster. Yeah. What do you got? I have the, I have the Knicks online too, asking to be entered into this conversation with their eight oh. first round picks and their growing organization that could strike any time. Do you think this is the year <laughs> the Knicks making out? Is it the Knicks in the East and OKC in the West that make that leap? It's hard for me to put the Knicks in that category because the other teams have been so almost intentional about their like, we don't need to win. We're just going to amount picks and players. And, and the Knicks have not done that. I know that you know, from RJ uh, at the three pick on. Um, they changed their philosophy to be not spend on aging stars, but just to slowly rebuild and hope stars see it and want to come join them. Look, because of the contract they got Jalen Brunson on and because the fact that, you know, Jalen Ran- uh, Julius Randle's a two-face and if he's actually the best version of himself then they have him on a good contract too, which is crazy to say. Um, it means that it's it's sort of easier to to say you know it's working out. They're doing this soft rebuild well with young picks, but I I can't put that them in that category. M- maybe it's because I see them as the Knicks and we're too close to it. But I, I when I'm asking about the future team, that's uh, the Knicks have tried to be a now team forever, and they like calling them a future team is generous because they've just been a bad now team. So are 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 you saying this is the year where I guess can we, can we throw the Pelicans in there? Nope, nope. I have the Pelicans in a different in a different bucket too, because the Pelicans to me Pelicans have been are in this... that Knicks Mavericks tier about teams yeah, that are yeah, they're they're more that that Mavs Memphis. I know Memphis has done All a right, lot so more, it's, but this... so it's the it's the Orlando Magic in the East, and it's the OKC. Yeah, in the West. Orlando are in that tier, or or, yeah. or the Pacers. Or, Orlando is just you know the furthest behind, or or the worst of them. But yeah, and and the Pacers are yeah, but that that's the tier we're talking about, and and a lot of those teams are sort of the Pacers entering that that's here the last couple of years because they've been weird. Houston, Detroit, OKC, these teams have essentially tanked for like what feels like years. Are, are they going to be good this year? And and are they going to be good? I don't even have a yes or no answer. I was more like, it's time to, to answer that question one way or another. 
Because if they're not good know, this year, then I don't know the proper answer, but I will tell you Oklahoma City and the over unders win total 44 and a half. So if we're projecting them wow. to go 45 and and 39, that's uh in a tough west, yeah. Is that what it would be? Yeah, I mean they, they finished the year kind of strong too. 45 they, they looked and 37, decent in that playoff sorry. run. You you might have to give me the under on that, sadly. I'm I'm a believer, but I not that much. <laughs> So one of mine was actually very similar to this, but I actually skipped those who are the teams that everyone's expecting to take a leap. And I said, which team that no one's expecting to take a leap actually might. So I put Pacers, Magic, Pistons, Spurs, Rockets in a list. I put yeah. do the Knicks. I put do the Knicks rattle off 50 wins. I've said, do the no. Cavs finally take the number one regular season spot? Do the Mavericks finally put it together and get a top two or three seed in the West? Like these were the questions yeah. that I say, which team that's been either having no expectations actually puts some on themselves or has expectations finally reaches. Do you like any of those teams to like finally do it this year? Mavericks, Cavs, Knicks. I mean, I, I like those questions, too, because I agree with you that it's like that you only talk about the all or nothing. You talk about the bottom teams that are going to like shoot up or the people who can literally win a championship. And a lot of other gets ignored. I I want to see the Cavs make that that run. I, I think that they that would be a fun story. Um, and it would mean that Donovan Mitchell had another great regular season, which, you know, at a certain point, he's really cementing his legacy. He, he has to win in the playoffs, but uh, has has been so much better than I and, and a lot of people expected. Um, I don't like the Knicks over there. I'm trying to think who who else I forgot. I, I, I like the Mavs potentially, except that I think that they're not as focused on the regular season. I think the Mavs potentially could be really good, especially if Lively is what they need him to be in this sort of, you know, athletic, defend, follow the rules kind of center. Um, but I don't think they're going to be gunning for that one or two seed. I think Kyrie probably misses games. Luca, I don't know how that works. Um, why? I'm going to take which the opposite approach. Like? I think the Mavericks have to gun for that one or two seed because of how catastrophic the end of last year was. And you can't be fooling around early season. The West is too deep where if you're middle of the pack as a four or five seed at the all-star break, a little injury at the end of the season or a little bad run can then knock you out or into the play-in tournament now at seven, eight, nine, ten. I think the Mavericks are literally forced to try and do all that they can to emphasize the regular season this year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess in my mind, it's bigger that injury or whatever causes Kyrie and Luka to miss games dictates that they can't make a run at that. But if they right. play all their games, I'm, I'm with you. I also like watching them. I, I would I would like them to make a run. I just don't know if it's actually going to happen or this is the year where Luka then says, like, maybe Dallas isn't for me. Yeah. I mean, so, sort of on that topic of how many games will they play is, is another one I have on my list here is will these new NBA rules uh, curb load management? And also on top of the new rules, I assume uh, Silver or whoever his henchman is these days had a, you know, a memo or a conversation with all teams being like, look, uh, we'll make the rules and we'll try and force your hand. But know that this is like beyond important to us. You have to play your all stars or do it in a, a regular way. So my question is, will it will it actually have an effect? And if not, will this finally be when the NBA considers reducing the the regular season? Because there might be no no bigger issue than the fact that they just play too many games, and not just because people sit or get hurt. It devalues the games, and it makes you feel like the regular season doesn't matter. All right, I'm going to answer this in a few fold. I'm going to nail this answer. Do it, baby. 
One, yes. The NBA, the load management rules are going to curb load management a little bit because some of these stars want awards. They want Mm -hmm. all NBA to up their contract. They want to go like legend status and uh, accumulate multiple awards. Embiid's been super outspoken about it. The one person that doesn't really talk about it that much happens to be Jokic. Giannis is outspoken about it. Like all of them will want these awards. Two, who is the guy that is the NBA finally going to say we this actually matters to us? Joe Dumars is the new Stu Jackson for the NBA. He's the new guy dishing out the Kiki Vandaway punishments. Stu Jackson, when we lived five minutes away from each other, Stu lived five minutes away from us as well. Uh, um, do, you, do you remember what his 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 Peter Vesey given nickname was when he was when he was the 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 bad guy for the NBA? Inaction Jackson. No. So uh, respect to Stu. I I, I love Stu. I, I haven't seen the NBA dole out the the hammer in a long all right, time. Well, Dumars just got on a call with all NBA teams and reporters and told them on the call the. The reason for the call, Windhorse just did a podcast last week about it. I found it very interesting. Go check it out. Um, that they outwardly said the reason for these rules is twofold. One, we need to make the regular season more important again. We are devaluing the fan experience and the, lo- the local customer experience. Two is they explicitly said it on the phone call that the new upcoming TV deal is a very large part of the reason why these rules are being in place, enforced, and everything. Previously, the NBA was in action Jackson because they weren't seeing any bottom line loss from it. This is the year where we actually have stuff coming and new contracts up where if the players aren't playing that much, it's going to hurt the revenue deals. Players get a share of that revenue. It's the, what, 51-49 split. So, They're going to be motivated to do it, too, on top of all the awards. They want to max out the money. I'm sure the players' union is telling them that. Is it going to change anything about Kawhi Leonard? Who knows? Is it going to change anything about Mm. Jimmy Butler? Who knows? But I think, like, the the majority of guys are going to play. I think AD is going to try and play more games. I think LeBron is going to try and play more games. I think that – I don't know exactly who's going for it to pertain to, but I think, like – when they go to Cleveland, like everyone used to skip the game in Cleveland. Kyrie's played in Cleveland once since he left. He's had two yeah, games I mean, there every year when he's been uh, in the I, East. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of games, and I love Kyrie, but for all sorts of different reasons. That's true he, too. He, yeah, he, has, he hasn't been there. I, I, I love to hear that kind of everything is aligning to push them to, to play it and make the regular and, season And no, better. and lastly, no, they are not going to reduce the games because they're adding more games, AV. There's... There are two with that, teams with that tournament. I, so that, that that's are playing 83. Too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking with the in-season tournament and the play-in games, that can give them a little baked-in reason to be like, look, well, of course we can reduce the games and not lose any TV money. It's a pretty much the same game. I, I, look, if, if they want to run the players into the ground with 82, that's fine as long as they make the regular season feel like it matters again. If to, if to me and you, and we are addicted to basketball and we love – the random league pass games on late at night where the teams are garbage. If those games don't even matter to us, what must people who are like more casual or just regular and basketball fans think about the regular season? Cause it's, it's a big drop. Want to hear my spin to this? Yeah. I think those are the only people you can convince the mid season tournament is actually meaningful and it's actually exciting. So, so it's for them. Great. Like rope them that's, back in. That's the sneaky trick of what the mid season tournament is. And that was one of my questions. So we'll just move on to this one on my, on my list yeah. is 
who the fuck's going to care about the midseason tournament? And I just figured it out because my answer was absolutely no one until we just had this conversation. It's the people who are just starting to become basketball fans again once football ends and once the Super Bowl is being played and once it's like Christmas and the casuals are starting to get back in. Oh, wow. They're playing for this midseason tournament. That's going to let's gamble on it. Let's play DFS. Let's like whatever. That's going to get more people interested. Oh, these games are going to be more intense. Now, will the players actually care? Uh, We'll see. Uh, Will the load management rest rules, which are specifically designed to let you not rest in those group play games and in those tournament games, like there's way harsher penalties for resting in those spots. So the stars are going to play in those group stage games and in the tournament games. I think sneakily, it's going to do pretty well. I think it's going to be a little bit of like a, it, it might be a, like a one year kind of, I don't know, what's the right word for this? Like, remember when the All-Star game the was amazing for, yeah, aberration. Remember when the All-Star game was amazing yeah, the Chris a few Paul years year? ago? Yeah, when we they, talk about this, yeah. When they, what was it? The 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 quarter yeah, scoring the, rules and exactly. the elimination point and all that stuff. Chris that Paul did. brought ELO in and that, and that year they tried so hard and we were like, oh, it's all changed now. And, and then it went right back. I do think we're yeah. going to get that first year aberration, that like new car smell, that new lust in a relationship kind of thing where this nice. year midseason tournament actually is kind of exciting, um, which then gets me to another point. Like there's some sneaky good odds for midseason tournament winners. Do you think any team already is posted? Be... Interesting. It's... Oh, everywhere. You can bet on so, the tournament. Uh, you could bet on who's going to win their groups. You could bet on everything. So that feels me... like such a wild card to me because how do you know who's going to care and what they're going to feel I about think it? They're it's all like, going to care. Go up in the air. Wow. The rules force them to care. The rules force them to play the stars in those spots. So inherently, it forces the... them to play them. And I'm sure, and you know, they, they are always, these guys you know, going right, to play right, but not right. care? No, 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 no. They, they, they so play, now let me go one step further. Now let me go one step further. There's eight teams that make it from the group stage into the like finale play in tournament, right? So, mm-hmm. and then you start looking at the group stages and the groups are divvied up by good teams and bad teams. For example, 76ers, Cavaliers, Hawks, Pacers, Pistons, Bucks, Heat, Knicks, Hornets, Wizards, Celtics, Raptors, Bulls, Nets, Magic. It, they're not the exact divisions that they are they kind of should be like if yeah we're gonna why make are NBA they divisions, divisions something. it's so yeah. weird how different from yeah there's no, still groups of five teams divisions are groups of five teams there's still three in each conference there's three it's the dumbest thing and ever that they don't just mimic divisions but yeah. they're going to change over the course this would be a, a cool way to make divisions matter more over time is to make it divisions maybe they end up doing that but for now they're evenly balanced. And then you're forcing the stars to play in these games. And then eight teams will end up emerging to be in the final tournament. Now, here's the kicker, AV. Mm. The shortest odds on the board, as in the, the favorite, the lowest odds that you would get is Bucks and Celtics, both nine and a half to one. So simply, if you take the Bucks or the Celtics, and they just advance into the tournament, and they just win their group, which are the games where their stars are forced to play, and then they get to games where their stars are still forced to play, then they're going to be favorites in all these games, then you just hedge it the other direction. There's so much value from a betting perspective in taking like Bucks and Celtics, especially in these Eastern Conference, both plus 950, to win the, the play-in tournament. I mm. mean, pre-season, the mid-season tournament. 
I, uh, I'm, I'm sold. I, I, I you follow all logic. those numbers that I just I, said. I do. I, I mean, I, I, I see what your logic is. I'm, I'm on board. It's, it's hard for me to go beyond the fan thinking about. You know, I'd rather talk about and think about what teams are going to be good in the playoffs and and what their seating is going to be. And this almost feels like a weird distraction. But I, I will say that the kid in me loves it because I always felt like with with leagues, it felt so official and slow to change. And the fact that they're willing to make these sort of weird out of the box changes. I'm sure they're all money driven like everything else, but I don't want to be cynical. The fact that they're willing to add something as crazy as a midseason tournament is awesome. I hope they keep adding weird, awesome things. And if they don't work, bail on them. And if they do, you keep them. So good for them for being a progressive league. I'm going to bet the Celtics right now, plus 950. And I will tweet it out after the show. Go on to your next topic, A.V. Yeah, uh, my Celtics have to do with my next topic because it's a little bit wishful thinking. I, is this the year that we shift back to thinking that continuity matters like it did, you know, in the 90s and before? I know that I don't want to be like an old person being like the basketball was better because I, I love basketball now. There's so much more talented, all that. But I think if we see teams like the Bucks and the Celtics who are clear favorites, who had great teams last year that just weren't healthy in the case of the Bucks. Um, and no excuse for the Celtics and just couldn't cut it. And then they kind of, they imp- both both improved their rosters, everyone would say. But still, they, they shook things up in a way that, you know, is a roll of the dice, if, if nothing else, even if you have more. If both of those teams regress or don't make it to the finals and it's, you know, the Heat or the Cavs or the Knicks or the Hawks or someone I'm not thinking of in Philly out of there. And on the West, you have, you know, uh, Denver and Golden State and, and you know, teams like that, which, like, they didn't make changes either. Our team's going to finally start thinking, maybe if we have good players, we just let them continue to gel and develop and not mix it up every year. Like, Dame has to acclimate. Like, 82 games is a long time, but he has that much time to figure it out before the playoffs. I don't know. It's a great question. I would I, I would I would answer your question with another question. Aren't we coming off a year where we were just proving at, that continuity matters with the Nuggets yeah. winning and then FIBA with Team USA looking fucking catastrophic? I didn't even teams? put I didn't even put that in the discussion. That is a classic example of continuity and how these teams are thrown together versus countries that practice is, and do is, that all the is, time. It's this season plus next year's Olympics that we'll use to answer this question. Yeah, I, I, I'm on board with that because I was already in this. I was agreeing with you in terms of Denver. I think the reason that we even have a chance for teams to make that argument and for it to show finally is because we're coming off like a legit continuity year where I know they got rid of Bones Highland and they made some tweaks. But really what they did is they believed in building around Joker and their coach and that Jamal Murray would get healthy and they just waited it out and then they won. Good for them. The real answer is that NBA, as it has always and forever will be, is a copycat league. So yep. because the Nuggets just won with continuity, every team is sitting at home thinking, well, maybe our guys will develop and we'll Good. do it too. So, yeah, I think it makes for a better fan experience, for sure. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm on board with that, Not for sure. Rebind, you want to go your fifth? Every day. Oh, huh? And look, I, when it first started happening, too, I was like, it's sick that players can move like this. I can't believe we're going to get all-star teams and almost like – like uh, like video game draft style teams, yeah. but like, okay, now if I actually cared about a city and a franchise, which I really don't, I just love the NBA and the talent. If I cared about my city and franchise, I would start thinking, okay, can we get a coach that we believe in, a GM we believe in, an owner, and just sort of like build and yeah. It would be fun that way. Um, 
Do you do you like the years where we had five straight Cavs versus? I mean, what was it Cavs yeah, Warriors yeah, we, or LeBron versus Warriors because one of them was on the the, the last Heat one and then four Cavs. With so, with all with all due respect, no, I want the parody. I I, I you want prefer the be... last few seasons where we got Denver versus Miami, Celtics versus Warriors, Bucks versus Phoenix, and we saw three new teams in both conferences. I I I I do, and I'm saying that as someone who was a LeBron fan during these years, and because you know the Warriors were inevitably getting there, I wanted LeBron as the only chance to take them down to get there too. Those were some classic matchups. I get that, like that. That sells tickets. That, that but I, I, as a fan, I want more parity. It can, it can be a mix. You know, I could even go two years in a row with that rivalry back to back. It just at a certain point, it felt like no matter what, it was going to be those two teams in the finals. And then LeBron was maybe the fourth seed that year with the Cavs, where they stomped the East and went through, and he looked so good. And I was like, oh, like we thought, it actually doesn't matter. It has to be them too. Do you have another topic? Yeah, I got one more. So. Is Joker the best player? And then, you know, you can make your argument for Giannis and beat whoever, and they're, they're right next to him, Tatum, whoever you want. Or is it Joker and then a teardrop break and then this next group of people? In that the way that you can run a team around Joker, the way he affects your offense, the way he doesn't hurt you defensively now and, and is improving there, is he so much better than the next best player that there's a tear break and it's – that makes Denver actually one of the most talented teams in the league. Is the question, is he or has he been? Wow. Yeah. So how far back would you take it then? Well, I mean, if we go like what three, if we go the last three seasons, then yes, yes he has been a tier above the NBA. If in, we're projecting forward, then yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I, That's I would right. You're say changing the guard. Right. Well, no, Joe, Jokic is I know. part of the new test, the new, the new group. I don't want to say the new Testament. I'm the least religious person <laughs> ever to record a podcast. Um, he's, he's part of the new, the new, the new group that's taken over for sure. But yeah, I think yeah. that's a great, I, it's a great question. I don't have an answer to. I think everyone who's listening to this pod can think of the answer in their own head. If they want to reach out to me and tweet it to me at Fiddles Picks, I can share it with Austin, but yeah, is Jokic the so clear number one from a fantasy basketball sense? Uh, yes, above and a million miles away. If you're in an auction draft, is he worth a hundred bucks? I mean, so again, I, I've never been in an auction draft. I, as someone who loves basketball, I just started doing fantasy again as a kid uh, the last few years, and it's it's so frustrating to me that I know the game so well and watch so much and suck at fantasy basketball. So I don't know what he goes for in an auction draft because I haven't prepared, and I'm sure I'm going to be terrible this year. And I haven't you gotten for- <laughs> terrible? Are you saying you suck, or you just have gotten terrible injury luck? You're no, I I have had you you know this because I've I've consulted with you on every year. Yeah, I have had some bad luck and some injuries, but I I would say in my mind I went in kind of cocky. I was like I'm good at fantasy football and I watch a lot of football and I like that, but it's nowhere close to like as near and dear to my heart as basketball. We live basketball, and so the fact that I that didn't you know, immediately translate to being better and that I was, you know, losing to people who were not watching these, you know, late night Minnesota games when they were bad. I was like, that is frustrating for me. All right. My last topic is a bet is one that's betting related. And I think there's so much, it's not really a, it's not really a question. It's more of a prediction. And my prediction is everyone's talking about parody throughout the NBA, right? 
Mm-hmm. 15 teams could win it realistically. Everyone's got their wow, big two. High. There's not, not okay. Yeah, Eight yeah. teams can win it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their big two. There's some, so there's not really big threes anymore. Like the cap rules, the way that the, the league's been flattened, the amount of talent, how good the shooting is and the depth on these teams. So like a lot of t- teams can upset one another. We're talking about parity, three point variance and everything. I'm going to make a prediction that favorites cover at higher rates than the past few years this year, hmm. that uh, home f- home court advantage becomes a bigger boost than we've seen in recent years too. I think Why? because, because I think the stars are going to play more and I think it comes oh. back yeah. to the, to the top tier talent is going to be on the court for more minutes. And I think, the NBA is generally the league where we've seen the least parity. We talk, you know, me and you are NFL and NBA guys. In the NFL, half the playoff teams are new every year. In the NBA, what, six out of the eight are always the same? Seven of the eight from one year to the next? Like, you're not getting five new playoff teams in a conference in the NBA. Like, there's just no way that's happening. Uh, I like that. I like that it coincides with your other theory, so it loops all together. And I like that I I personally hope that that happens. I, I given that we are NFL and NBA guys, I we talk about this a lot. We both listen to the Ringer uh, Fantasy Football Podcast, and they bring this up a bunch. Where there, I forget the guy's name, but some some guy who is studying sports uh, across you know different leagues, different sports, trying to figure out what the biggest predictors are in winning. And, you know, it, it really boiled down to play your best players the most. And, like, I, again, like, it's crazy that something so simple could be the answer. But if stars are playing more this year, and that is uh, a truth, and that is true. I strongly believe that, like, stop getting in, into the weeds of trying to be too too cute and just play your stars. I, I think that that could be a good theory. I think there's a famous line by Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel that says, less thinky, more athlete take ovary. I I I love that we're we're quoting McDaniel. I love the success he's having. As you know, I've I've renamed my fantasy team to the Miami Dolphins since I have Reek Waddle and Achan. And uh, I I sat Salvin this week. I was I was a little soft. Bad move. Are there any crazy other things that you just want to throw out before we wrap this up? Things that you like coming this NBA season? I'm looking forward to. Man, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Do the Clippers finally get it done? Do the do the Clippers finally like become a threat? So that's one of the hardest to answer because they're one of the few teams that's not set in stone yet. Because clearly they want to do something, whether it's uh, Harden or Brogdon. So I, if they get Harden or Brogdon, can they put it together? I I actually still think so. I I think in in the midst of you saying the changing of the guard, if a fully healthy Kawhi at the start of the playoffs might be the third best player in the NBA on any given night, you know? Like, I know you think I'd probably think I overrated him, but he's so no. good. Yeah. So good. And he showed it in those so few good. games that he played last year in yeah. the playoffs. All right, let me ask you a few other rapid-fire ones. Better chance to figure it yeah. the fuck out. DeJounte playing next to Trey or Gobert playing next to Cat? Oh, DeJounte. So, I, I mean, I think, to me, DeJounte playing next to Trey was an issue of – Maybe their personalities, maybe DeJounte's personality was coming off a weird uh, offseason where he was kind of a villain. I'd like um, to maybe the fact that they. Cat's yeah. 
Pat and Gobert's personality has to be included in their lack of chemistry. Too, uh, I, I, and I agree with Will, but as much as I dislike Gobert, he's, I don't think he's coming in and being such a problem personality-wise. I think it actually didn't fit stylistically. I think DeJounte kind of does fit with Trey because he doesn't need to dominate the ball offensively. And because he's such a long, good defender, he allows Trey to guard whoever's a smaller or worse of the other two starting guards. So I, I think because their play styles align more, it's just a matter of time before Quinn Snyder gets them on the same page. I still think DeJounte is good, don't you? Yeah, I just think he can, I think he can do more and I think he wants to do more than what they've been giving him. So I'd see, let's see if Quinn Snyder, I think he's one of those, I think DeJounte playing next to Trey and I think generally whoever plays next to Trey kind of fits the mold of like exactly what the problem with Aiton was in Phoenix. We're like, these guys are unbelievable. Like they want the fucking ball. Like they want the ball in their hands some of the yeah. time. They don't want to only do defensive work. Aiden didn't want to only be doing screen and rolls and trying to dunk and then switching on to bigs. Like he wanted to do more because he like that wasn't fun for him. So it's like, is Dejounte just uh, going to get so frustrated constantly playing off ball and trying to be like a slasher and like a defender? So- so to me, to me, does Quinn that... get him more involved in a more system? Does Quinn get some load off of Trey and make Trey a movement shooter? So, so okay, so that so that's exactly where I was going. So you, I, I don't think this is a Dejounte problem because you hit the nail on the head. No matter who it is, you're always going to want the ball. You're never going to get the most out of players Agreed. who are great than just saying sit in the corner. Never. So the fact, like Trey, right now because he's such a defensive liability, if you're not running all of your offense through him. It doesn't make any sense to have him on the floor. So it's like, well, obviously we have to run all the offense through him. But that's not true because if Quinn, and you alluded to this and maybe this will happen, if Quinn turns some percentage of Steph Curry where now whether the ball is into Jonty's hands, Bogbog's hands, whoever, you can actually (coughs) – excuse me. You can actually get value out of Trey still. Now, okay, we have a real offense. We can leave him on the floor. DeJounte is happy. They both get involved. The ball moves more freely. If that happens, I don't think the Hawks are there yet, but if that happens, the Hawks are good then, actually good. Uh, are Do the Heat, like, stay Big afloat? Back, or right? is this the Big Heat where – Big step back? This is the year where they're truly an eight seed and just an easy out in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I, who knows? Because once you get to the playoff, the Heat do something really unique in that you can only call one foul a possession and not even that because they let you foul so much. So the Heat will foul 100 times what other teams will foul total. So they get to play much, much better defense. It's a wild and great strategy. Call it Heat culture. And I like the Heat. I, I, I think that they're a team that's better for the playoffs but they're going to be bad and forgotten about in the regular season. And people aren't going to say, uh, my, my feed left out a little bit. People, people aren't going to say, look, this happens every year. They're going to be fine in the playoffs because remember when they got the one seed and people were counting them out? Like uh, again, it, things move fast in the NBA and when they don't look good in the regular season, people are going to say the same thing. The heat are done for, and we won't know to the playoffs because they're built for that. More likely to make a big trade the Toronto Raptors with the Siakam OG group or the Chicago Bulls with Levine DeRozan? Did you hear me? Oh, man. So the, the Chicago Bulls have been the more adamant of the two that they're, st- they're standing pat. Yeah, can you not hear me? No, I did. I did. I just, I, I, we have a slight delay. Mm. You hear me? Okay, great, great. Yeah, so look, I, I think the Chicago Bulls are the ones who, from an organizational standpoint, have had the 
most adamantly. We're sticking with who we have. Levine said he's staying, all that. I just think it makes less sense for them to stick with who they have, given what's happened with Lonzo and the way they tried to build. They should now be rebuilding. I know that's depressing from like a fan base perspective and the fact that they were supposed to be this new age team if Lonzo was there and everything panned out. But because it didn't, they should move on. But they've been more adamant, and so maybe I'll believe Toronto when they've been sort of uh, showing us what they mean when they haven't even though he's said a bunch i only want to live in toronto they have not said the same and clearly they've made it known they sort of want to build around scotty and they're kind of similar so i i think that it should be the bulls but it'll probably be the raptors last one that both teams in your backyard av the knicks and the nets both new york teams are said to be positioned to acquire a big name should the cats should the I mean, God forbid Embiid. I think that one's way too far out. It looks like Giannis is now off the table. But those are the teams commonly linked. Donovan Mitchell's name. Dame was floated for a lot of Nets stuff. These these two New York teams are often floated whenever a big-name player comes up. Which New York team is better situated to bring in a star? New Jersey. And it's it's not because uh, that I, I think the Knicks, and I, I know I'm a Knicks hater, it's not because I don't think the Knicks are in a good position to add a star and be a good team. It's because for whatever reason, and I'll name some of them, the Nets are the more desirable destination. There's a reason that it came out that once Dame was sort of backing down from Miami only, that the Nets were on his list. Like A lot yeah. of these other players want to go play for the Nets, they they respect Jacques Vaughn as a coach. They love playing alongside guys like Michael Bridges and Cam, where they can sort of be the personality, the star. And these guys are just going to defend, play every night, still contribute offensively. Like that, that's a dream. I I don't think the Knicks are bad in that they could add a third star and, and make a great run. It's just it's crazy to say it's less desirable, don't you think? Ooh, no, it's more desirable because anytime you actually go to a game in the garden or go to a game at Barclays, it is Mm. so much different. So if you win in Manhattan, it is so much different than winning in Brooklyn. So the, the, I guess more desirable, more desirable from a basketball perspective, Nets, more desirable from a day-to-day lifestyle standpoint, Nets, their facilities are the best in the world. They have a practice court underneath the court at Barclays. They have the, the new facility in Coney Island. Like their stuff is incredible. It's better than being mm-hmm. underneath Penn station and in the Westchester near the ice hockey rink, which is where the, the Knicks practice. Like the, the, the nets have better stuff, better players to pair with. I agree. But the allure of, if you actually get it done in MSG, it just looms too bright for me that it's a, it's a trick question. It's a semantics question with which, how you're interpreting the word choice. AV is frozener than a bug on my screen. All right, AV. Yeah, I, I just La- shot you a text. La- that was a little... Fr- uh, yeah. All right, last topic before we get out of here. What are you most looking forward to at the wedding? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping some people make fun of your brother because I, I, I'm going to give me two minutes minutes to to speak and i i know what he wants so i'm, I'm giving him some straight lovey-dovey so i it's not gonna be me but there's just maybe more ammo uh to clown a groom at their wedding than any wedding i've ever been to so i hope that some people take those shots um i don't know who it's gonna be though i i think we might need howie to, to come come out with some surprise bangers give us some some I'm childhood re- tidbits i'm really i i really am am 
offended by the lack of faith that it's going to be me. Uh, I'm going to quickly read to you my text messages with my soon-to-be sister-in-law right now. You ready? I got, hi, it's Alexa yeah. F. Can't wait to see you next weekend. You're responsible for making sure I don't trip down the aisle. I said, no prob. I'm great at walking slow. It's my specialty. <laughs> she said, she said, haha, we'll crush it. I heard we're the same person and we both roast the shit out of Evan and Evan. We'll have the best weekend and we have each other's backs. My response is in, in, in conjunction to what you just said, there's too much ammo. I go, they're too easy of targets, just so much to make fun of. So, A.V., I will yeah, be filling I'd... the role of roasting Sir Evan Fiddle. I will oh, see I, I you love it. in five days. Uh, I will be back on the FBI stream on Saturday with Adam King. Thank you all for ch- tuning in. Look forward to a bunch more NBA shows, and I'll be joined by A.V. for a ton of them. Austin, thank you for the time, as always. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.